the Business Podcast with me, Lawrence Nell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain, behavioral, and organizational sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, and indeed, please follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and now Instagram. The Big Five model of personality is perhaps the most consistently reliable model of personality used in research around the world. Focusing on the key elements of conscientiousness, agreeableness, neuroticism, openness to experience, and extroversion, the Big Five model has been applied to evaluate personality traits in many contexts, including, and not least of all, leadership. A recent paper, co-authored by our guest today on Brain for Business, Dr. Fabiana Pressemann, considered the big five traits most commonly found in entrepreneurs and founders, assessing, amongst other things, the personality characteristics typical of founders and how they contribute to the startup success. Dr. Fabiana Pressemann is a departmental research lecturer in AI and work at the Oxford Internet Institute at the University of Oxford. Fabian's research focuses on the science of success. He uses data science methods to quantify the determinants of success in different fields. This includes the science of success in business, success and the future of work, and quantifying success both online and offline. Before Fabian started to work as a departmental research lecturer at the OII, he worked as a research fellow and data scientist in the Future of Real Estate Initiative at the Said Business School, also at the University of Oxford, and as a data scientist at the OII on projects that apply data science to understanding human development and labor markets. Fabian, welcome to Brain for Business. Hello, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here and talk about our research on startup success and founder personalities. Well, we are delighted that you're here and we're very much looking forward to getting your, your insights. And, and in terms of that, I'd like to, I guess, touch on that idea that you mentioned there, startup success, because I guess from that sort of flows everything else. How do you define startup success? Surely it's, it's a subjective thing. Yes, absolutely. And maybe one word before we talk about the actual paper and the actual startup research, I just wanted to briefly mention this overall research field, which is sure. now called the science of success. It is a very new, very young field. And if you hear it first time, you might think, oh, this sounds pretty esoteric, like a self-help kind of study, maybe. How can you become successful? Absolutely. And this is clearly part of it. But really, what distinguishes this new field from any, let's say, business-oriented self-help help kind of um, things is that thanks to large-scale available big data in all kinds of human endeavors, it has now become possible to quantify success, first of all, as a measurable, as a tangible thing, and then obviously try to infer those features that are universal across different disciplines. Most cases, this is related to human endeavor. Of course, you could also talk about success in terms of survival of the fittest, if you think mm. of Charles Darwin, as species, and so on and so forth. But focusing here only on human endeavor, you could think of things like success in music. So will your next song, will it um, become number one hit? Success in sports, obviously quite quite an tangible outcome would be to forecast the outcome of football matches, for example, to 
bet on those, but more importantly, also to get an understanding of what is actually driving maybe team performance in such a setting. And you could do this in many, many other elements of society. And one very important one is the startup world. And why is that? Because obviously it is a very high risk endeavor. People literally bet many years, maybe the best years of their young career on their business idea and on developing it to a startup company. Secondly, many, many startups fail. So a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of money is burned and wasted in this effort, even though still some of the most important companies of today's world, some of the biggest companies used to be small scale startup companies. Of course, we all know the big five companies these days, we don't have to mention them. And because of that, startup research within the entrepreneurship literature, within the management literature has a long tradition. But recently, it has also become a field for these um, quantifying success scholars that use very different large-scale data sets. And among other things, the idea is to predict startup success. So how do you then de define that? You know, what, what, what is success in, in that sense? Is it, is it about money? Is it about longevity? Is it about something else altogether? Absolutely. This is one of the key elements that needs to be defined. And unfortunately, even though we live in the times of big data, data becomes very small and very uncertain <laughs> when you talk about these things. You mentioned longevity, so that would be just company survival. And clearly, it is a success if your company survives five years, 10 years, whatsoever. But it turns out this is very hard to measure because you can only observe things that are out there. So for example, the company might have a profile on Crunchbase, which is like the LinkedIn, the business card, the digital business card for a startup company. But who would take that company profile down if the company goes bust, rather not going to happen. So we could measure whether the company is there over time by whatever digital traces they might leave, but it's very hard to measure the opposite. That is the non-success element here. And this is why we went for a different me metric. Of course, one that would come to mind is things like revenue, customer base, user base, growth, employees, all of this, very hard to get for startup companies, not so for stock-listed companies. Of course, mm -hmm. the Fortune 500, whatever, S&P 500, all of these companies, they report loads of information. You could use that. For startups, it's not available. Hence, we used a very conservative, more exit-related definition of startup success, namely three things would define success. First, the company acquired another company, the company was acquired by another company, or an IPO. All of them are kind of major exit events for investors. Obviously, we have to neglect other measures, other pathways of success, but at least it can be measured quite distinctively as one or zero. Either you had any of these events, then you're successful according to this definition, which is used by the literature, not only by us, or it hasn't happened, zero. Okay, so it's it's applying a particular framework, but as you said, you know, there's there's other other ways of working at it, and, and I'm sure there there are some founders who are probably quite happy and would consider it to be a success if, as you said, they're, they're in business and they're making a, a nice income. They're not looking at being the next unicorn, but really you were kind of looking at some of those ones that were definitely growing and developing and going through one of those those key events. Yes, absolutely. But on the other hand, one should also say that 
I recently talked to a startup founder who said to me, uh, particularly in these days, like a difficult market environment where we see money is not easy to get. Mm -hmm. Being acquired is not necessarily a success these days. It could also mean that you just have to buy, uh, sell your company. Of course, there's always caveats with it. There's always um, certain limitations. But yes, we use this one. And um, if the listener might think, hey, why didn't they use VC? We didn't use it because it is also obviously hugely influential for future success as you get these additional people on board, their networks, their human capital, their, fi their financial capital. But at the same time, it is more a promise of the future success this company might bring rather than the actual manifestation of success already. And also it is then difficult to um, distinguish between the different stages because seed funding for one company might be more important than whatever Series A funding for another. Hence, we used this very conservative measure, which obviously meant that many companies that are actually quite successful, according to common sense definition, would have been defined as zero non-success in our case here as well. But at least you're aware of that limitation and, and, and can, can work with it. Yes. I mentioned that research in particular looked at the, the typical personality characteristics of, of founders. How did you assess their, their personalities? Because I'm, I'm guessing you couldn't go around and ask everyone to complete a paper-based evaluation where you could then look at their big five personality mix. Yes, Lawrence, absolutely. So it would have been optimal to conduct surveys, ask these people to fill out the questionnaires typically used for the big five assessment that you mentioned in the introduction. This for practical purposes, hasn't been possible here. And instead, we wanted to go for like a big data approach using unsupervised learning. So what did we do concretely? So we started with Crunchbase. Again, this is this LinkedIn of startup companies, like a business card. And on Crunchbase, you have loads of information about these companies, and they provide them themselves. And it's also curated by the owners and operators and the company behind Crunchbase. So uh, what people put on there is information about the founding team, about funding, about their location, their industry, country, and so on and so forth. So loads of information related to the company. Also, this very success metric we just talked about is on the platform available. And some of these uh, startup founders, they also have a Twitter account. Now, X, obviously, but mm -hmm. then when we did our study starting in late 2020, it was still Twitter. And... Um, of these founders, those who had a Twitter account, which is linked to the Crunchbase profile, a set of those provided some information on Twitter. And you, you can use this text. It's like a, usually a personal text. Everyone knows how a tweet looks like in the sense that I do this and this. I'm very happy to announce this and that. And all of this information can be utilized using AI algorithms. There's several on the market. We use the one provided by IBM Watson, which is a natural language processing tool, to infer these big five personalities. And how does it work concretely? Obviously, there's the individual words the phrases, the sentences, mm -hmm. and behind the scenes, this is not something we have done ourselves. We just trusted the established um, tool here. You can not only infer things like sentiment and roughly the topic, what is the tweet or what is the text about, but also these um, uh, more subtle factors, such as personalities. And in terms of the quality of this assessment, obviously, it is not as good as having done such a questionnaire, but it has been tested several times. And it turns out it is roughly as good as the assessment of co-workers or acquaintances from work. It's also not the same quality as your spouse or whatever your parents or your brother or sister might be able to assess you. But it gives you a good reflection of these big five 
um, values. And these big five personality scores, they further split into different facets, individual kind of elements. So you talked about things like extroversion, for example, or openness and so on. And there's uh, things like imagination, sympathy, altruism in these, and they are listed then on a zero to one scale, continuous values for every individual founder. And through that approach, we could describe the founder personalities. Okay. And so having done all, all of that, what what did you find? What, what are some of the, the typical personality characteristics or traits of founders? Yes, uh, absolutely. Maybe just one more word on the methods we use. So we started with Crunchbase, which has roughly 1 million individuals listed on there. Not all of them are company founders. Not all of them could be identified. Not all of these companies were actually startups. Long story short, we ended up with a sample of 21,000 startup companies and 25,000 founders. A very big sample, still a limitation. And this is also what I want to emphasize here at this point. Namely, we are looking at a very particular set of the overall population. And this brings us to our very first finding, namely, what does a startup personality or the founder personality look like? And then how far does it differ from the population at large? Mm-hmm. So what we did to look at this and to get an understanding of, hey, what is the typical startup founder, we compared those founder personalities with another set of typical employees. So we got another set of Twitter accounts from people who on LinkedIn specified their job to be in one of those categories where you have very seldomly startup founders in there. So that is zoology, musicology, and so on. So things where people typically work as employees. The assumption here is that people tend to go toward the job that they kind of find as a good fit personality maybe. So use this set to describe how the population overall looks like in terms of big five personalities. What we find is, not surprisingly, it is relatively scattered in these big five domains. So there's those who are more adventurous. There's those who are more conscientious. There are those who are a bit more anxious, those who are less anxious. So roughly speaking, widely distributed across the overall space. And in contrast to that, our founders are more scattered and clustered to the extremes. Really, So On average, you could say a founder is more adventurous, more extroverted, that is, likes to be in the center of attention, less modest, that is, ambitious individual, also conscientious, and particularly also um, not very anxious. So overall, you see these features that you would have thought founders might have. So risk-seeking types of individuals. And interestingly, what we then did, we used these two data sets the employees and the entrepreneurs. And just by using the personality trait data from the big five alone, we could predict whether a person would be a founder or an employee with more than 80% accuracy, just using the personality data. So this clearly seems to be certain kind of pull or certain clustering of particular personalities within startup founder communities. Okay, and that that differs from the the general population uh, as, as you found. I guess, as an aside, you mentioned there, for example, risk-taking uh, behaviors, and and I can understand how that would be important for someone who is, for example, leaving a, a secure job and setting up their own business, and you know they're taking a risk inherently. But do those same behaviors also spill over into the rest of their lives? Would you expect someone who is maybe a bit of a risk taker in terms of climbing mountains or parachuting? I know it's a bit of an aside, but I'm just curious: was that something that you also noticed at all? We haven't looked into their behavior apart from being a startup founder, but clearly, given this 
strong importance of obviously the job you do seem to have a particular type of personality, which we call like um, the personality occupation map or personality mm -hmm. occupation fit. You can definitely assume that also other types of behavior, other types of activities will be correlated with those personalities, which is already first indicative kind of result and application that goes beyond the startup case here, namely that you as an individual, no matter who you are, because you will, you will be placed somewhere on this big five, just everyone is there. First of all, it's neither good nor bad. It, it is just the fact that you're just more adventurous or less adventurous and it, you just have to accept who you are. But you, what you can do is you can find those types of occupations or those types of activities that you feel more comfortable with and that are better fit to you than maybe when it comes to um, the job, than maybe looking into what is popular on social media or what your parents might say or what your teachers might say it might actually be better to look after your own personality fit with a particular type of job be it startup founder or be it employee in whatever respect yeah no that 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 makes sense the second question you considered was whether founder personalities play play a role in in startup success so one thing is saying these are typical founder personality traits compared to the general population but what did you then find when you looked at those identified traits in terms of or compared to the successful outcomes of their startups yeah maybe one intermediate step here to talk about which is very important because this turned out to be then one of the most important factors in the success prediction is that even though these startup founders are a very particular selection from the overall population and having particular personality traits, there is not one startup personality, but there's actually six different ones, okay. according to our findings. Obviously, this is data-driven, so other people with different data sets or different algorithms might find five or seven, but that's not too important. The important takeaway here is really, even though founders are already a very particular set, they differ. There's different types of individuals. We give them descriptive titles according to their most important trait. We have things like the operator or the engineer, the developer. We have the accomplisher, the fighter, and the leader. So this is the important different clusters we identify. And now we're coming to the success prediction, really. It is not only that these individuals score differently. So one, for example, is um, more focused around um, things like communication with individuals, like mitigating, moderating. Another one is like more of a stubborn fighter who kind of can push through difficult um, challenges. And then there's a person like the, as we call it, the operator, who is more conscientious with an eye for detail. And now comes the spin towards the success prediction. What we find is, apart from personalities, we look at everything that is available in terms of data by the time the company is founded. When we did this, because we wanted to represent a situation or to reflect a situation that a VC or investor would face, like which of those companies is it that you would want to invest in in order to, of course, arrive at a portfolio of startup companies that are most likely to be successful. So we're looking at everything available. That is um, the year the company was founded. Obviously, there's different business cycles, high um, um, ups and downs, monetary policy, everything influence, influencing the overall ecosystem. Then there's the location. Obviously, in different countries, there's a different tax system or whatever else might be beneficial or less beneficial for a startup universe. And then there's things like the industry. Obviously, in certain industries, there's 
uh, more funding available. There's uh, more the tendency to make your company successful in the sense that we define it that is exit related and many others. One of the very important factors we find to influence success is the number of founders. In general, the more founders you have, the higher your chances of success. The most likely explanation also adopting the view from the literature is that this is related to networks or social capital, people having access to different to different um, groups and communities of people. Mm. However, the angle we are finding here is that it is about the different personalities, different personality combinations. So the most important drivers of success or the most the companies who are have the highest chance of becoming su successful are those who employ personality diverse teams. That is, for example, a leader, development, and operator together as the founding team. And our main explanation here really is that it is these different personalities who are more likely to be able to tackle the different challenges that you have. That is um, deriving the technology or the actual science that might be behind your startup. At the same time, communicating with the public, but also mitigating within the team things um, that is that are all very important, equally important, and that are very unlikely to be able to be fulfilled by one person alone because that person will have this position on the big five personality map and another person with a different personality might be able to do other things better than the other founder. Hence, the main finding is personality diverse teams are more successful and perform better in the startup environment. And intuitively, that makes a huge amount of success. If you think about one person might be much more comfortable getting out and selling and developing new markets, whereas another person might be much more comfortable making sure that, as you said, the operator perhaps, making sure that the operations are running smoothly and running how they should in order to support the sales efforts that are happening elsewhere. So intuitively, that makes sense. But did you find a, a perfect or an ideal mix or does it really depend on the, the sector, the, the, the age, the, the country, anything like that? Yes, so we are entering, obviously, a very um, dangerous territory when it comes to over-interpretation here. As, again, you know, even though we have a very big data set here, uh, we need to use certain metrics, we need, we need to use certain approximations. So I, if I were a VC employing those, I would definitely use it as a basis because we clearly set out the fact that these different factors are at play all at once using the algorithm we use, a so-called logistic regression model, you can still interpret the individual factors in there. It's not a black box algorithm, so you can clearly attribute this amount of success probability to that factor for every individual factor here at play. We find that all of them play a role and you need to control for those. If you don't control for them, you clearly attribute things to the different, um, to different costs. So for example, very simply speaking, if I have a more personality diverse team that will look like more likely, um, sorry, this will look like a company that has higher chance of success. But if I don't control for the number of founders, this would obviously be a misinterpretation because I can only have diverse personalities if I have multiple founders. But multiple founders rather reflect access to social capital, access to different networks rather than the personalities, which you need to which you need to separate really. So we find that a few combinations have um, up to eight to 12 times higher chances of success. All mixed teams, mixed personality teams, in contrast to a single founded 
um, company by what we call the accomplisher, but this is just our benchmark here. So you shouldn't over-interpret this, but clearly the finding is that um, diverse teams seem to have a higher likelihood of solving the diverse problem that are at play with the startup company, and hence it is beneficial to have those personality diverse teams in addition to the other factors. So we're not neglecting them, and we still want to emphasize human capital, social capital, the embeddedness in the right ecosystem, all of them matter, but on top of them, Personality diversity seems to be one of the most important factors here at play. And I guess coming to the the, the second part of that question, you know, on a very simple level, did you notice any variation between those personality types when you consider things like gender or industry or that what was that even considered in your data set? Yeah, maybe one thing, briefly speaking about the role these people take, further underlining the chances that it is actually about the different things people do in there, rather than um, whatever, they just being the same room. So what we also find is that the different startup personalities, so the leader, the accomplisher, the fighter, and so on, they take on different roles. The typical roles in a startup company are obviously the CEO or managing director. Then you have things like a COO, CTO, CFO, CIO, and they all require different types of um, abilities, different type of things you would want to do. And we find, for example, looking at the leader, of course, everyone looking at this research <laughs> likes to find their own personality. Uh, I identified myself to be closely associated <laughs> to this leader type. Why is that? Because the leader is more a person who has like a conscientious element in it, but also um, like more moderating, more mediating between, um, between different people. And you see, even though the leader, for example, is not the most common type, that person seems rather to take roles like a CEO or COO, seldomly CTO, seldomly CIO. And you see um, different um, personality types really taking on different roles. This brings us to the fact that most likely it is because they do different things, they contribute to success. When it comes to these factors you just mentioned, like gender, unfortunately, this um, is one thing we also emphasize with our study here. And we're actually happy to see this discussion going on in social media and elsewhere. There is, because we use historical data, there's always biases in data sets. This is known already in the community in the realm of financial data. That is, for example, mortgages or other kind of credit data. Obviously, um, historically, there used to be biases in US data, racial biases, for example, also gender biases. The same goes with policing and other factors and the same is going on here so our success prediction model actually became better by including gender as one predictive variable but unfortunately not in the direction that everyone would have hoped and this is because of a historical male dominance in the um in the startup world so mm -hmm. traditionally there were many more male founders many more male investors which led to a male dominant overall ecosystem and environment and this is just a historical bias we had to take into account for the prediction model obviously because we use just the data we have and hopefully this is going to change and this is clearly something that is in the control of everyone to get rid of those historical biases other than that is the personality because this obviously is shaped in a time before people become startup founders this is sure. developed partly due to their by birth already due to their genes um, whatever and also to the upbringing the education and their parents and how all of this is being brought to them. And the idea is that personality start, uh, largely stays consistent and um, doesn't change much over adulthood. And if comparing, for example, personalities um, 
between genders, we found that in the historical data we use here, female founders who are successful with their startups tend to be more like male founders, which is, again, potentially pointing to the fact that we have these biases in the historical funding environment of startups more than anything related to their particular personalities. Okay, in interesting. And I guess that that speaks to, as you were saying, the, the limitations of the data set driven by historical um, record and, and everything that sort of le led to that. Did you also, uh, I'm curious to ask, look at people who were serial entrepreneurs, uh, you know, that is people who started multiple startups over time. Did you look at them? And, and if so, what did you find about their personalities? Lawrence, you're already pointing towards our follow-up next research here, really. <laughs> because we want to look into differences between failure and success, yeah. but not so much in the sense that failure is anything bad. To the very contrary, I believe from the depth of my heart that failure is a necessary condition for success. Obviously, some people are just lucky, but clearly the learning is more likely to be arrived if you fail with something. And if you try and fail, you most likely will have experienced many elements of this very complex endeavor that are already indicative of your future success. And there is studies published that also look into startup companies and other elements of um, human endeavor, trying to understand the dynamics of failure and success. And with this particular study I'm referring here to, this was published in the journal Nature in 2018, if I remember correctly. They found that actually already from the second trial onwards, you could distinguish data-driven algorithmically the future successful people from the future um, failing people, so to say. This refers to um, things like the dynamics of them trying it again. So maybe you fail with your startup, but um, soon afterwards you try it again. You don't take a long break, all of these kind of things. This is a very different mechanism here. However, I would not be surprised as you're just indicating with your question already that serial entrepreneurs might have even a more distinct personality, maybe even more risk-taking or even more stubborn. This is um, something for our future research, clearly. Yeah, and I think that that failure piece, which is clo close to my heart, in the right ways, hopefully, um, I, I find interesting. And there, there was a think, 2020 paper by Daniels and Vestal that you may have come across where they they distinguish between people who normalize failure as in, oh well, failure that just happens, versus those who who analyze and and consciously learn from it in order to take that learning forward um, to support future success. Oh, I'm clearly one of those guys. I can tell you. <laughs> I think we we would all like to to be to be that kind of uh, that kind of person as well. the The other question I'm curious to ask, when you were describing the the methodological approach and drawing upon crunch based data, my assumption is that this refers to new newly founded businesses um, and new to the world, as opposed to those i'm not sure of the terminology here but startups within existing organizations so for example a multinational starts a new business unit or or sets it up to go off and do its own thing did you look at the personalities of, of those types of founders if if they even exist as a single founder really interesting i have to admit we haven't and the only um, limitation we put here was we only looked at startup companies founded from 1990 onwards, because this is how other people, how other researchers who have analyzed crunch-based data define startups in order to 
not analyze those who come from a very different overall macroeconomic environment and getting rid of um, by now large-scale multinational corporation, which are also in crunch-based um, companies like General Motors, for example, or General Electric, which doesn't make much sense to look at those because they were founded in a very different environment in the 19th century. But what I wanted to say, um, one additional analysis, I cannot really recall from um, the top of my head at the moment uh, how our first author, um, Paul, came to that data, but he also looked into uh, personalities over time, like over generations. So he looked into baby boomers, gen, uh, generation Y and generation that kind of populations. And he found that it, from the data he looked at, it seems to be that the typical personality of a person from different cohorts, different generations also seem to differ a little bit. So there seems to be clearly a time trend and could very well be that because of the overall value sets that um, society brings with it mm. over decades and centuries, maybe in the um, particular facets, particular factors within the big five personality world might differ. Unfortunately, of course, we cannot um, ask um, people who lived hundreds of years ago to fill out the survey, uh, but <laughs> maybe also a field where we could learn more on the yeah. particular personalities and others. I, absolutely, and I think that there's there's definitely there's definitely something there to to dig further into. And speaking of, of digging further into things. Are there any particular lessons that you feel could be drawn from your research for anyone who is considering becoming a founder of a startup or establishing a startup team? Is it simply, you know, whether you have that personality or not, or, or getting the diversity? What what would you suggest? Yes, absolutely, Lawrence. So the main takeaway is that diversity matters and diversity should be looked at not only in the traditional ways that has been established luckily over the past couple of years and decades that is obviously gender or sex uh, education race etc but also looking at personality diversity why because personality is hugely correlated with other factors like education obviously you might be drawn to a particular subject at college if you have this personality or on the other hand as an adolescent as a, a young adult, you might still be influenced by the very things you do, the job you do, the environment you're into, driving and influencing your personality. And the main takeaway really is not, it is this founder personality or that, but team up with people that are not like you. And this is oftentimes something people would not naturally do because we have this huge tendency of so-called homophily that is um, birth of other flock together. People who are like myself have much higher chances of sharing interests with me, sharing associations with me, sharing friendship circle with me. Hence, I have a much higher chance, for example, if I'm an engineer at college, I might hang out with the other engineers. Great, because we can have in-depth discussion about anything related to engineering maybe, but we will have lower chances of being able to solve the other problems that come with a startup company. That is um, going into the communication with others, going into maybe the unpleasant experience of getting other people's opinions, which might be very different from you because they have a very different view on the world as is established by the personality. So really personality diversity seems to be another dimension of diversity that is related, correlated, and maybe even causing team performance and success. Then, of course, you could use this very much to predict startup success, but also in general, and this relates to our uh, next direct um, little research project, uh, project we would want to do, namely to create an online tool, providing people the possibility to find out what kind of founder personality they would be, 
also related to this occupation personality map, to use such information, such knowledge about your own personality to get a better understanding of how you should shape your career, what kind of job would fit to you, what kind of process would fit to you. And this is why I think the main kind of major takeaway for everyone is start to think really about what kind of process you like to work on, what kind of puzzle is it that you like to solve, rather than looking into whatever celebrities out there, the Elon Musk of the world, the... Um, Maybe if someone is up to this, the Donald Trump of the world, whatever, not looking into these <laughs> clearly successful people with a very expressed personality, to so say it like this, but rather getting an understanding of um, what kind of activity do I enjoy, follow that and be assured, rest assured that success comes with it if you apply it in the right ways with the right people, not only in startups, also in your day-to-day -day job and also in any other kind of activity that needs team performance. Okay, interesting. If people wanted to find out more about your research more broadly, is there any way you could suggest they should go? And of course, first of all, if they want to read the paper, please check out the link, which is surely provided here with oh, the podcast. Indeed. Also, there is a number of um, newspaper articles about our research available. We were very happy to be featured by The Times in the UK. Also, um, Yahoo News and um, on the conversation, we um, provide our own um, little summary of the of the research. Also on the Oxford Internet Institute website, you can find more about my research more broadly, also blog posts on different research pieces. And obviously, I'm also, I can also be found on LinkedIn, where we um, regularly provide updates on our research. Also, with a particular emphasis of this startup project, there will be a website soon. Not only the code and data will be shared, sorry, data, I should say, synthesized anonymized data so that people can replicate the results from our study but there will also be this online tool as i just described hopefully the latest by mid next year available and more research in that area for sure fantastic and i will of course put some links both to those different websites and to the paper in the show notes dr fabian bresemann of the oxford internet institute thanks for your time it's been great speaking to you thank you very much